Last weekend, thank you, uh, Sunday, great message on unity and everything. We're staying with that theme. Uh, we want to continue, and there's a reason for that. One is, is that the church is very divided right now. Uh, not necessarily our church. I think you're all wonderful and lovely, and you would never want to, you know, cause disunity. Uh, but uh, the church universally is divided. And we saw that over uh, times in the past few years where it caused division amongst people, people who, who were friends for many years that you knew, all of a sudden um, there was a divide. And, and, and Christianity and everything became very polarized. Um, and whatever your view is on many of the different subjects that are out there, um, there is a call for unity no matter what. Um, and I'm going to talk about the, the differences in that when it comes to unity and teamwork and, and just uh, being a part of the same goal and why we're doing it. Um, also, part of that is that we are, you've probably heard, we are planning on doing a building project. And I haven't sent out any emails on the information of that because over Christmas, there was a lot going on. And cities don't really love to do a lot of, you know, wild decisions, you know, during the holiday season and then time into January, they're all kind of getting their feet back on the ground because of big projects that are happening all over the place. And, uh, but I do have some news for you, but I'm not going to share it with you today. <laughs> I love it. Um, because I don't have all of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm waiting for a report to come back, and I have to bring it to the board first. Um, uh, and, and then I'm, but I am going to send out an email, and we'll talk about more. But let me just say this one thing. It's looking really good. So lots of good stuff happening. And if you don't know much about our building project, uh, hopefully you will within the next uh, few weeks and a little bit about it. But uh, we're very excited about the possibility. It's the right time. And uh, yeah, it's, and this is where we need unity. This is where we need all to be focused on one goal because um, having a new structure, having a new building, and, and it's not just a church. Again, it, it's, it's more than that. It's housing. It's uh, commercial. There's a lot of things happening there, and it'll allow us to reach into the community a lot better than with the structure we have. This structure has been amazing for so many years, and uh, I knew many of the people that built it. I was privileged to know them uh, back in the 90s, many of them, I, and, and all the way through, and so I'm telling you that this is this has been a great building, but there is a time for change, just like when they were in meeting at the hall down on Fraser Highway, and then when they were meeting in a little church, they had to expand. There's always movement forward. This church has always thought that way, always been ahead of the game, and so we need to be ahead of the game, and this is the right time. So there will be more information, good information, I'm sure, uh, but you can just sit on that for a little bit and pray about it. I think it's exciting. Today we're going to look <clears throat> at... Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. So you guys were in the same chapter about a few verses back. And I'm going to read this. This, this. this scripture has been controversial through the 90s and the um, early 2000s and kind of bled into, you know, past 2010, but not as much. And you've heard, you probably have heard the term five-fold ministry. And that was a big theological thing and everybody was being all bent out of shape over it and, and, and they, they read into it a little bit more than they should have and that was, that was what people, pastors were pushing, this fivefold, it's got to be fivefold, everything's got to be fivefold and I remember back in those days I just sat there and going, oh here's another wave of stuff that is just like I got to put up with again. If, if, if you've been in church for a long time and if you've been in leadership 
you, you recognize when fads come through and people are just jumping on keywords and taking theologies and running with them and, and making them into something that maybe they shouldn't be. But I want to talk a little bit about that. But it's a very good verse on unity, and I'm going to give you some historic context for that. So it says this, so Christ himself gave apostles, the, prof- the, <laughs> the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Okay, remember, to equip his people to be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son. Remember knowledge of the Son and become mature. Please remember mature. Attaining to the whole measure of, Christ, of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. Good point there. We're not going to fall for anything. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. And there's another one. Speaking, there's so many in this. I could, I could spend all day in here. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every aspect the mature body of him who is head who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So now according to Paul, God has gifted the church, you, the church, gifted the church with everything it needs to grow in unity. Everything. This unity develops at the individual level personally, and it develops at the corporate church level. So as we worship in corporate, as well as other churches as well, the church as a whole. As believers, we have to recognize that the church functions as one body. You wouldn't know that by how many different denominations there are out there. Of course, we're part of one as well. But all throughout, even throughout the Protestant uh, Reformation, there was problems. People disagreeing on this and that and everything. I mean, back then you could get killed for it, but then they decided to spread out. But at the same time, there has to be some kind of unity with it all. Like, how are we giving a gospel message of unity when Christians themselves can't even come together and be unified in many things? This is one reason why I love being a part of the Cloverdale Pastors Group. I can't go all the time, but when I do get an opportunity to hang out with them and and meet with the other denominational senior pastors, it's a great time to know that we're all going in the same direction. We just want people to get to know Jesus, to have their lives changed because of him, and just send that message out even stronger to others. So I like, I like meeting with them because we're all in it for the same reason. We want people to experience God. There's no agenda. We just want them to experience God. That's it. I'm not trying to con- convert tons of people. I want, that's God's job. That's not my job. I don't save anybody. We don't save anyone. We present the gospel message. And if it's the power of God that does it, then we let him do it. So there are three elements in this scripture um, that it brings to light for every Christian. And the first one is unity. Now, we've been talking about that. But within the body of Christ, we have to have unity. The purpose of the gifts that we are given by Christ to the church, such as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is to equip the people of God for works of service. 
and to build up the body of Christ until that unity is reached that we're looking for, that the Scripture talks about with a faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians, says, sometimes when the church debates the nature of different offices in ministry, and we're talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, you get the impression that these exist for their own sake, as though the main point of there being a church in the first place was that certain people would feel special within it or be special within it. But the opposite is the case. You see, the main point, the main point of certain people having special roles is so that every single Christian and the church as a whole may be equipped to go out and do service. The list of offices in this verse, the the five ones they mention in verse 11, they're not comprehensive. There's more to it than that. Elsewhere, Paul, the Apostle Paul, lists other giftings and other offices. But these five were crucial at the very beginning of the, when they were establishing the first generation of the church. They needed some type of structure to follow. And again, there's no denominations at this point. It's just one church. That's it. And so the apostles were to be, they were witnesses of the resurrection. Okay, this is, this is a theological uh, it doesn't mean you can't have an apostolic gifting. Okay, let's be clear on that. There's apostolic giftings, and then there's being an apostle. There's a difference. And when we walk around, and these, these pastors all within, even our own community, are saying, I'm apostle whatever, and I'm, you know, prophet, you know, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Like, it's, come on. Like, listen, you may have prophetic giftings. That's amazing. It doesn't necessarily make you a prophet. But guess what? We're all prophets we can all speak. God can use us and speak through us. So we got to be careful. So the apostles were, were witnesses of the resurrection. And since that resurrection was the foundation, is the foundation of our belief system of Christianity, the testimonies of those who had seen the risen Jesus after the crucifixion, when, he, when they saw him, uh, that testimony Uh, was the first type of Christian preaching. They spoke from their experience of their personal testimony of what they saw. And so they had an apostolic office because they witnessed that. Early Christian prophets spoke with the power of God. They used uh, the name of the Lord in, 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 in their prophets, guiding and directing the church because there was no written testament, New Testament, of Jesus' life at that time. So there was prophetic, and they, and they had to be careful of all that. And so then eventually they, they came and they brought all the, the letters together because when they were in gatherings together, they would read the Psalms, Old Testament writings. People would talk about what, you know, different things that they had done. They'd, they'd, they'd sing songs. They'd sing the song, Psalms. Um, and that's what they would do in church because there was no other writing other than some Old Testament scriptures that they did have. Um, and they tied that in when they met together. Evangelists would go around speaking the news of Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. Um, but at the time, again, there was nothing else other than the word that they could speak when they would go out. And then pastors and teachers. Pastors would, would look after the churches because they first started out. And, and, and teachers would develop and train them so they would understand what they were believing. 
So Ephesians chapter 4, this chapter we're in, shows that the Lord gives ministry or gifts of the Word to equip God's people for work in His service to build up the body of Christ, which is the church, which is you. The wording has an extensive and an intensive dimension to it. Growth in size is implied in the mention of the gifts of the apostle and the evangelist in verse 11. While the introduction of the body metaphor, it, it, it implies a, an, an area of growth in the church as an organism from within by means of its own God-given life. So verses 11 and 12 highlight the importance of union with the church and how it is essential to have different spiritual gifts, different roles to work together as one. Now, you've heard these, these messages before. You've heard about unity. We've talked about it a million times. But practically speaking, this means seeking and understanding and appreciate other people's gifts and perspectives, being willing to be put to put aside our own personal preferences, set that aside, and work together in love. So the first is unity. We need to have it. And I'm going to talk about the difference in a minute of unity and teamwork. But the second is growth. Within this scripture, Christians are being told to strive for growth and become mature, not being swayed by any type of teaching or deceitful conspiracy theory that's out there. There's so many conspiracy theories that we just kind of run with. Um, but we're not going to be pulled by that because we speak the truth in love and we become mature within this body of Christ. We're not running around chasing things like a, a leaf in the wind. Um, we, we have a little labradoodle. And if it's windy out, I loathe taking her outside. Because she chases every leaf, every stick. She just will not stop. She's pulled my shoulder out of socket. I don't know how many times. Because it's like, oh, a leaf. Oh, a squirrel. And the bunny rabbits right now are driving me up the wall. They torture this poor dog. They wait for her. They do. I'm kidding. I, I'm not kidding. This is like, if I take her out, I look. I'm like, please, I don't need bunny. I got to get this done. We got, I got stuff to do. I take her out, and if it's windy, I'm already losing the battle. And then there'll be this little bunny rabbit that sits in the neighbor's yard and waits. And all of a sudden, my dog goes and locks eyes on this cute, fluffy little bunny. And then, if that thing even tweaks its little ear, she runs after it. I lock her down. The bunny runs just enough, stops, turns back, and waits. I can't make this up. This, this happens, and I'll probably film it one day, but I'm always so frustrated because she's ripping my arm off. I'm trying to make sure she doesn't get out of her harness because that's a whole other event. There's just a lot of stuff going on. It's an event. So add a leaf that happens to fly by or a squirrel, and this bunny torturing my poor little dog, she runs after everything. And you say, well, you should just train her. No, I won't. I spoil her rotten, and I hope that she, if you ever meet her, that she irritates the heck out of you, because I love her. I think it's funny when she's a poorly behaved dog. I get in trouble all the time from my wife 
because I think it's hilarious. So the dog's going to win over you. I'm sorry. But she will chase. She will follow anything that moves, any whim, any whatever. She's all over it, and she's just, if I really want to irritate people, I just open up the window and walk away, and she will bark from wherever you are. She will find you on the street, and she will just bark at the window. People stop by and wave at her, and she just goes nuts, and it's pretty hilarious. But anyways, I digress on that. She, there's distractions, and she just follows them. And we do that too. And we've seen that in the past, in the most recent years. People are just dying to blame someone, and then they build up these stories. Does it mean there's absolutely zero truth to some of these conspiracies? No, there's probably something there. There could be. We won't know for quite a while, and then we'll go, ah, yeah, okay, there was something. But at the same time, this is not our final home. I am not going to be worried about conspiracies of governments because governments come and governments go, but there's only one person who's on the throne and he has been forever. And I will not fall into these traps of getting distracted from what the job is. And the job is to bring people to Jesus so that they understand what it is. It's not something weird, but guess what? Contemporary Christianity right now, it's weird. It's strange. And we don't want to be that. We want to be a voice that cuts through that noise. It says, you don't have to be odd or strange or have some weird conspiracy or pick, pick a political side. The reason why all these churches, all these denominations, all these Christians get caught up in politics is because they, they can't it's funny, they think they're so progressive, but I'm here to tell you, they're not. You go back, go back in time, anywhere between, oh, you can pick, pick 800 A.D. To, to 1800 A.D. There was political reasons why all these things happened. There was, there was a, a blending of church and state that caused all these issues. So these people who think they're, they're nationalists for God, it's like, that's fine, whatever, if you want to be that. There's nothing, I'm not saying, but, but you, don't, you don't put your politics before God. You don't put your politics before Jesus. That's a secondary issue. And you're not doing anything new under the sun because they did it back in the 16, 17, 1800s, even further back than that. So do something new, right? Be creative. Be better than that. Right? We don't need to blend the two. Because every time you blend secular politics and Christianity, it comes out bad. Real bad. Now, do we fight for injustice? Yes. But we do it with love. We do it with grace. We do it with peace. We fight for injustice. But we speak truth. We speak truth. It doesn't say, irritate everyone and be a jerk and make them hate Christianity and never want to go and never want to be a part of it. It's not what it says. I mean, there could be some Hebrew and Greek in there that I haven't translated lately, but I'm telling you, it doesn't say that. It says, speak the truth and do it in love. But that only comes from growth. That only comes from having a mindset of unity and a mindset of wanting to grow in your Christian walk. Christian 
growth does not happen in isolation. It does not happen at home by yourself. It happens within a group of people. And if you have friends that haven't been to church in a while, invite them back. They can't do it on their own. I I guarantee you can't do it on your own. You may think you can, but you can't. You won't grow. You won't be challenged. You can watch as much as you want online and as much as you want on TV and read as many books as you want, but you have to have that together unity, coming together, fellowshipping together in order to get true growth. You can have head knowledge about being compassionate, but until you actually have to be compassionate, you won't know what it is. You won't understand it. Empathy, compassion. You won't know unless you're dealing with people. Paul's language in this scripture visualizes God's people collectively. He says we all in that scripture. Collectively coming together in unity with their giftings. Okay, let's take you back to school. Let's go back to high school, because that's probably the best place it could be. Do you remember doing group projects? So when I was doing my bachelor's, they, <laughs> they wanted us to do group projects. I said, no, I won't do them. And I just didn't, because I don't work well with others. That's not true. I'm lying. Well, sometimes. It depends. There's a lot of, you know, things that can happen, factors. Um, but I always knew I was going to get stuck with some dude that wouldn't do the work. You always get stuck with that. It's so frustrating. Just dragging this surfer dude around like, whoa, man, like, yeah, no. it's like, come on, do the work, please. Do you read? I don't know. And it was frustrating. And you need a good grade but you're getting judged on whether they... I said I would only do group projects if they judged me and marked my thing on my own. I will not do group things. And in, in my master's program, I just won't. And there's no way it's going to happen. I Never. Um, because I don't know them. And I don't trust them. Sorry. You know, you can be in advanced education, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do the work they're supposed to do. So I, I, I don't like group projects. The thing about group projects is there's always the typical people. There's the, the, the straight-A student. You know, you know them. Um, there's the, the, the jock or the sports dude who's just all about sports. <laughs> Go Raiders, whatever. Um, the introvert, the one that doesn't speak or do anything. You just don't, you can't communicate. You're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if they're doing the work. Do they, do they speak English? Do they read? I don't know what they're doing. I, there's no communication. And then there's the slacker. So there's the sports guy. He's kind of a slacker, but then there's the actual slacker who does nothing. Absolutely nothing. You probably see him in the smoke pit when you walk by at lunch. I don't know if you know those guys. They're standing out there doing their thing. If a teacher did not thoughtfully develop the assignment, assign the groups, and plan for the evaluation, the, the, the project creates conflict. Does it not? It creates anxiety and frustration and stress. But we know that the best teachers give groups everything that they need to succeed. Everything. 
But here's the catch. If you're the teacher and you give everything, it's up to the students to develop enough unity within the group to complete that project or assignment. So there's a personal aspect. There's a corporate aspect, and then there's a personal, I have to do my part. And when those, one of those parts breaks down individually, the group suffers corporately as a, as a mark. They get, they get a poor mark because of that. When it comes to Christian unity, God has given everything we need to succeed and build the body of Christ and grow in unity. He's given us all the abilities and the gifts. But is, it is up to each individual Christian to put forth the effort to develop that unity that is needed to, to, to fulfill the mission. It's not about our personal preferences. Just as the students in a group need to work together, Christians need to work together to build up the body, to reach maturity. But it requires us all to put aside our personal preferences, our individual interests, and work towards a common goal. Verse 13 says that the ultimate goal is to mature in Christ. And practically speaking, it means to grow in our relationship with God to grow in our understanding of his word and to seek to live out our faith in practical, everyday life ways. But if we're not doing that, we break down. And the group suffers because the individuals aren't doing their part, their role. And so growth is important. The only way we know our place is by growing in him. The third element is teamwork, and I, and I want to discuss this a little bit. Teamwork is about working together, while unity is about being together. Both are important to achieve success within our message and what we're doing, but unity is the foundation for effective teamwork. When the group is united, when we are united, it becomes easier for us to work together effectively and efficiently to spread the message that we need to share. The church functions as one body, and each person has a role to play in the growth and development of the body. So it occurs collectively. It's not in isolation. It's the idea of working together to achieve the goal of unity in the faith. I don't know if you've ever done cycling. We think of cycling as an individual sport, but it's not. It's not an individual sport. I, I remember we were, um, for the World Cycling Championships, we were in Florence, Italy, and we went to go see them because I was really into cycling at the time. And, man, it was really cool. It's not individual in any way. Certain parts of it may be, but as a team, they're all trying to get to the end, and they all have roles in there. And if one person messes up, it messes the whole team up. And there might be one that you know of who's, who's more well-known, who's usually at the front near the end, and, and wins it. 
because they save that person because he's the fastest or she's the fastest. But during the entire race, they're all positioning. They're drafting off each other. When I did the ride to conquer cancer here in, uh, in Surrey and I went down to the States years ago, you, if you got behind somebody, you just you wouldn't have to work as hard. It saves your legs, I'm telling you. You just get behind them and you just tuck in and they, it's drafting and you just stay behind them if you could keep up. It makes a difference. And cycling is not an individualistic sport. It's a team sport. And they all have specialized skills in what they do. And it's the same with the church. We need to learn how to function as one group to finish the race. Verse 16 says, Grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Practically speaking, this means that we seek to live out our faith in ways that honor and glorify God. And at the same time, we are working to build each other up and encourage each other in our walk with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, specifically 11 to 16 here, highlights the importance of unity. It highlights the importance of growth and teamwork in the body of Christ. He's given us the gifts. We have them to reach that unity, to work together with teamwork. Each person has a role in building up the body of Christ and reaching to maturity. If you're tearing down the body of Christ, you have not grown. You have not grown in your walk. Because everything in here that I read says you don't tear them down. You build them up. I don't think we should be swayed by any false teachings or conspiracy propaganda. I, I, I think if you are focused on the message of Jesus Christ, those things will not distract you. The little things will not distract you. Because that's not, that's not our goal to fight the government. Our goal is to love others as we would love ourselves, love God. The church functions as, a one, as one body. One body, you know this. But it's up to each of us to put aside our own interests, work together, and reach a common goal for unity. I believe this church has that potential. I believe this church is there um, in many ways. But we can always grow. We can always be better. Can't we? I think so. I think we can always improve in every way. Uh, if we ever decide to stop improving or stop growing, then you might, we might as well just hand in the towel and go retire on a beach somewhere and be done with it because what are we doing? The point is, we are to be an example. And what we do here can be seen out there. How we act in here and out there will make a difference in people's lives. But we have to be wise about it and intentional about it. We're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes or trying to trick them into anything. We're just trying to show them the message of Jesus Christ and how he loves us and he died for them. So hopefully we can continue to do that as we move forward. I'm going to get you to stand. And I'm going to ask, I had a few people um, come up. We're gonna, they're going to pray. If you have prayer needs, um, they will be here to pray with you. 
Um, we'll take a few minutes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray us out right now. If you have to go, then, you know, bless you. Uh, but if you need prayer, there's going to be people here. We'll do a couple songs, and then uh, we'll dismiss um, that. But I'll, I'll dismiss you officially um, if you need to leave. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come to you with our needs. Thank you that you've given us everything we need to reach unity and to build each other up. And so, Father, help us as we go our separate ways to be that example of the body of Christ that builds others up, supports each other, and that we grow in our own faith in you. Help us to be that great example as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.